tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. Students were given a pass mark and they worked towards the pass mark. They obtained the pass mark and they were not given the opportunity even after they had obtained the pass mark. And Parliament simply took a position that um, the law school should go according to its own uh, standards. Now, if there's evidence to show that the, the students were wrong, uh, there's evidence to show that the pass mark is not what was advertised uh, to the knowledge of the students and etc. I think that the law school can present that evidence. But for now, Parliament was moved by what we all know uh, publicly to be that the pass mark was advertised and students acted according to the pass mark. And the law school seems to be changing its own stance on the matter. So that was, that was basically why we, we took that half stance. Uh, but, but, but the Ghana Law School has insisted that it, 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 it actually maintains that what it put out uh, on, in October was actually what was supposed to be the pass mark for this particular exam. Now, in the, in the event that the General Legal Council agrees with uh, private legal practitioner Nanejie Bafwewa that the House does not have the authority to, to, to direct it on these matters, uh, what, what could possibly happen? I think that the, the, the General Legal Council, uh, made up of senior lawyers and, and judges, um, they, they definitely know what the implications are if Parliament acts wrongly and where to go to, to, to have Parliament told that it has acted wrongly. But they also know the implications of not acting uh, according to a decision of uh, Parliament. So I'm sure they will tread cautiously um, in terms of how they respond to the position of Parliament on this matter. Uh, now, beyond the legal issue of, of uh, who has the authority to do what, we've heard from President Akufad in his recent interview on Peace FM uh, say that there's actually no space for them. So whilst uh, you insist and agree that Parliament has the you know, power to direct the General Legal Council to admit these students, um, the administrative question of space uh, comes up. How, how is that addressed? That is not the issue before us. The issue before us is not one of space. The issue before us is being told that a pass mark is 50, and then I worked with the 50% pass mark. I obtained... Uh, a mark above the 50 and then I'm denied the, the, the space. That's, that's, that's the issue. Mm-hmm. When we were uh, students at the University of Ghana Faculty of Law, we were told that um, only 40 students will be offered LLB at the end of first year university exams. And at the end of the year, it didn't matter what mark you obtained. If you were among the first 40, you got into the LLB class. So we worked towards being among the first 40, not towards getting 50%. 
you could get 80% and still not be among the first 40, depending on how well every candidate in the examination performed. And so once you did not fall into the first 40, you would not fight the faculty because you got 80% and still did not fall within the first 40. So it's the question of what the rule is. I don't think the students are fighting because they have been denied space. They are fighting because they've been told that if you got above 50%, you will be given space. And they got above 50% and they are being denied space. And we think that is not fair. So, so that is not the issue. The issue is not Nana, what President Nana Kufado is saying is the mm-hmm. issue. I don't think the students are fighting because of that. No. We can deal with the space issue in a different way. I mean, I heard him say uh, it is nowhere in the world the position that once you finish uh, uh, your LLB, you are entitled to go to law school. We can actually address that and say, look, if you finish... LLB, you are entitled to go to law school, but then you are not entitled to become a lawyer after the bar exams, because you know, everywhere in the world, we know that every trade and profession tends to regulate the number of people who get into it. You can use the final bar exam as a a regulation mechanism, but as for opportunity entitlement to go to law school and 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 be given the opportunity to write the exam that should be given to everybody who has you know uh, the llb degree that can be done we can simply liberalize mm. the system in such a way that you know um universities and 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 you know other faculties can have their own law schools once they meet the criteria of the General Legal Council for running and, and train students. Uh, but then at the end, they all write the bar exam. It is at the bar exam level mm. that you can be a regulator of how many people can be or should be admitted to the bar every year. And that should be known, you know, to students that, you know, we're taking only 300 a year. So try to be among the first 300, not to pass a particular pass mark. Now, now on the directive that you have you have issued to the Attorney General and the General Legal Council, are you working within a particular uh, time frame that you expect that these directives will be heeded? Our assumption is that they will they will work towards ensuring that the students are part of this year's uh, uh, academic program because during the debate we are made to understand that lectures uh, have not yet begun. And therefore, it won't be too late for the law school to uh, admit the students who made the pass mark. We also raised the issue of finances. If the issue of space, as the president indicated, uh, in keeping with the requirement of fairness, we thought that as a parliament, we're willing to uh, work towards increasing the budgetary allocation to the law school to be able to uh, admit and, and, and provide uh, training for the additional number of students. So whatever the problem, we are willing to, as a house, you know, uh, work with the law school to be able to address that space constraint. But we feel that the issue of fairness, justice, uh, must prevail in this country. This directive, this directive is not a permanent solution to uh, the problem at hand. Uh, are you considering the legal option of of either amending law or passing legislation to deal with this in the long run? But in a parliament, we pass laws, but then also, uh, historically, those who understand the workings of parliament, parliament also takes petitions and addresses uh, questions of injustice and unfairness to, to citizens. So there are two things that parliament does. Just that historically in Ghana, we haven't taken advantage of parliament's capacity to take on petitions and then you know, direct uh, fairness to, to, to citizens. So that is one thing that I think has happened today, an opportunity to deal with that issue. Now, on the more permanent question of, I mean, the issue of dealing with the, the broader question of, you know, access to, to professional legal education, we have told the General Legal Council countless times in Parliament, and I recall I was chairman of the Subsidiary Legislation Committee when they brought their regulations to be passed, um, the issue came up about having access to professional legal education. And we advised them to bring to Parliament a proposal for um, liberalizing uh, professional legal education training so that, you know, as many 
law faculties as possible could run their own law school programs and they can, you know, put together a stopgap measure at the end, which is at the bar exams point. There must be some regulating the numbers. We, we agree, uh, you know. But then you can decide that you are placing it at the entrance into law school, but then that becomes quite unfair to, to students. Or you can place it at the, the exit, uh, which is common, like in the U.S., you know, you finish law faculty, uh, you go and study on your own, and then you go and write the, the bar exams. Um, at the bar exam level, if you fail, you hardly have anybody to, to, to question. So, so you can do that so that everybody is given an opportunity to pursue a professional legal education program, but you don't have an automatic right to become a lawyer simply because you have pursued a professional legal education program. Well. You must have a filter somewhere, we agree. Mm. But I think that it would be waste because as we speak now, Ghana is losing a lot of money because we have put the filter at the point of entry into the law school. Mm. So people go outside the country to the Gambia, to Rwanda, to so many places in the world and rather you know, spend their money there trying to get into a law school and then come here and now try to get into uh, the profession. Mm. So you can actually keep that money here by giving them the opportunity to run uh, a professional legal education program here, pay the money to the system here, but not be guaranteed an automatic entry into the legal profession. Ms. Aga, uh, we'll have to leave it here because of time, but I'm grateful that you could join us here on Top Story. That's uh, the Member of Parliament for Baku Central, uh, Mama Yarga. That's it for Top Story, brought to you uh, by Vodafone. Together we can. Ghana Connect with Evans Mensah continues after this. Not just the bits that you agree with, but read it carefully and seek God's wisdom. See how Jesus treated those who thought themselves holy and those who thought themselves sinners. Secondly, pray a lot, particularly for those you disagree with, Mm -hmm. but that they may be blessed. Pray for them, for the grace of God to fill them, because they're your sisters and brothers in Christ. Uh, that, by the way, is Justin Welby. He is the Archbishop of Canterbury and the symbolic head of the Anglican Church worldwide. Tonight, same Bible, different interpretations on the hugely controversial gay rights question and the Ghana anti-gay bill, which is now threatening to break the front of the Anglican Church in Ghana and its wing in the United Kingdom. Now, Justin Welby, the Archbishop, uh, you just had there, uh, who, of course, is the uh, head of the Anglican Church, said this week he will raise his concerns with the Anglican Archbishop of Ghana in the coming days as he's opposed to Ghana's anti-gay bill. Meanwhile, the Anglican Church in Ghana has already overwhelmingly backed the bill. This latest tussle among some Christian denominations is the latest in a long history of fights and breakups on the issue between Ghanaian churches and their Western branches. So tonight, a deep Christian introspection on the question of the anti-LGBTQ bill. How can one Bible reject and accept one bill at the same time? We connect Ghana and beyond to explore. We connect after the break. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. 
CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. All SIM cards in Ghana must be registered again with only the Ghana card. Yes, only the Ghana card. You will not be able to make voice calls, use mobile money services, internet, and all other services linked to your SIM card if you don't. To register, dial star 404 hash and follow the prompts. You will be required to send the following details on your Ghana card. Ghana card number, surname, first name, date of birth, and sex. You will then receive a special code which you will present to your nearest service provider agent or customer care center for your biometric details to be captured. Remember to add your digital address. Dial star 404 hash on your phone to start registering your SIM card today. For more information, contact your service provider on 100 or the National Communications Authority on toll-free number 0800-110622. Register your SIM card to stay connected. Today, we're on the streets talking to two best friends, Kwame and Nabongo. Gentlemen, how much does it cost you to bank with your bank? <laughs> Just for having a nice idea a month. Hey, my brother, do you check your bank statements to see what you are actually paying each month? Mm. Plus, if you also consider the fuel or TNT for branch visits up and down. Hey, that's close to 200 Ghana. Eh? It adds up a lot of money. Anyway, Charlie, do you get anything back, sir? Well, the thing is, mm. it is... The thing is, with First National Bank, I can use their mobile app to do all my banking digitally. Anywhere, anytime, and I get up to 1% cash back every time I pay with the First National Bank gold or platinum contactless visa card. <laughs> the best part is, if I keep a minimum balance of 2,000 Ghana cities, oh, I bank for free. No fees. Zero crap. <laughs> First National Bank, Bank of the Changeables. Remember, one simple change makes a big difference. Switch to First National Bank today. First National Bank, a division of First Run Bank Limited of South Africa. Tease, C's and rules apply. It's time to meet again in the shopping capital of the Middle East. Turkish Airlines FlyFest has begun. Have a safe journey to Dubai with Turkish Airlines. Book your ticket now and enjoy flying with special fares until December 15th. Terms and conditions apply. For more information, please visit TurkishAirlines.com. Turkish Airlines. All SIM cards in Ghana must be registered again with only the Ghana card. Yes, only the Ghana card. You will not be able to make voice calls, use mobile money services, internet, and all other services linked to your SIM card if you don't. To register, dial star 404 hash and follow the prompts. You will be required to send the following details on your Ghana card. Ghana card number, surname, first name, date of birth, and sex. You will then receive a special code which you will present to your nearest service provider agent or customer care center for your biometric details to be captured. Remember to add your digital address. Dial star 404 hash on your phone to start registering your SIM card today. For more information, contact your service provider on 100 or the National Communications Authority on toll-free number 0800-110622. Register your SIM card to stay connected. 
Son, we are so proud of you for setting up this hospital. I really love those hospital beds and waiting chairs. By the way, did you implore them? No, Dad, I didn't. I actually got them from Kindle Books and Stationery right here in Ghana. Wow. We also bought our office supplies, safes, executive desks and chairs from Kingdom, and they gave us expert advice on how to set up our office. Guys, that makes three of us. I also got our sofa and bedroom sets, plus our dining hall furniture for our new home from Kingdom. Wow, Mom, that makes four of us. I usually get my stationery items from Kingdom, and my teacher also mentioned that our classroom furniture was provided by Kingdom. So there you have it. Whenever you're thinking about setting up an office or acquiring furniture for your home, etc., Kingdom Books and Stationery should be your first point of call. With over 40 years' experience in the industry, we stock and supply a wide variety of globally sourced office and home furniture, stationery, and equipment. Visit our head office, Osu Akwaje, or our office near the Osu Stadium. We're also in Tema Community 1, opposite Olam SHF, Kumase KNUSD Campus, UCC Cape Coast, and now at the Marina Mall, Airport City. Or call us 0302 7641017642097692. Visit our website, www.kingdomgh.com. It's important to create a productive and supportive working environment by investing in your employees' health. With a leading international track record, Apex Health Insurance is regulated and licensed by the National Health Insurance Authority to provide medical insurance services to institutional clients, families, and individuals. Apex Student Package and International Medical Solutions are all here to cushion you. Visit Apex Health Insurance Office at Zion House, Boundary Road, Shiashi or call 0501-683-914 or 0232-000-015 in Kumasi. We are located opposite Prempe College, Sofoline and in Takradi, Apex Health, your preferred health insurer. Are you looking to source for fresh quality fruits and vegetables? Connect to the right agribusiness actors and explore opportunities in the horticulture sector. Then, be at this year's Fruits and Vegetable Fair happening at the Afwa Sutherland's Children's Park from Thursday, October 28th to Saturday, October 30th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. daily. Theme, Enhancing Horticultural Trade Patterns in the COVID-19 Era. There will be seminars on food safety and horticulture-related challenges. Catch us live on Facebook and Instagram. The fair is in partnership with the Chamber of Agribusiness Ghana, Soko Center, Wapcom Media, and Agreed Today. Attendance is free. Come one, come all. Allianz. Insurance since 1890. At Allianz Life Ghana. We have a wide range of life insurance packages to suit all pockets from individuals, groups, associations, and businesses. We cover your employees, your funerals, pensions, children's education, and your future. Call us on 0302-267-892 or visit our website www.allianz-gh.com for more inquiries. Allianz Life. We secure your future. Some 500 Ghana. Hey, me VA. Hmm. See this guy. Oh. Some profit and loss accounting balance. Anna. I want to see if I have enough cash for my dream TCL TV. Crazy. What if I tell you that TCL is giving you an early Christmas present with an unbelievable discount of up to 30%? My friend, stop the joke. It is true, Crazy. From 1st November to 31st December 2021, TCL gives you up to 30% on all TVs, air conditioners, washing machines, sunbars, routers, modems, and even Phones, hey, have you a brunya Meaning, I can afford to buy my dream TCL TV this early. Hey, brunya Visit any TCL showroom for this offer. Please note that store.tclghana.com is the only online sales outlet for TCL Ghana. You can also call us on 0596 913 298 for more details. TCL for Creative Life.
And you're live on Joy 99.7 FM. This is Ghana Connect. My name is Evans Mensah. So this week, we woke up to news uh, from the United Kingdom that Justin Welby, who, by the way, is the Archbishop of Canterbury and the symbolic head of the Anglican Church worldwide, had said that he will raise his concerns about the anti-LGBTQ plus bill that Ghana is attempting to pass in Parliament with the Anglican Bishop of Ghana in the coming days, he said. In fact, he said he had grave concerns about the bill. He is opposed to it and he believes the Anglican Church must be opposed to it too. Here's what he said. We are a global family of churches, but the mission of the church is the same in every culture and country. To demonstrate through its actions and words God's offer of unconditional love to every human being through Jesus Christ. Obviously grounded on the Bible. The same Bible that uh, the Anglicans all over the world indeed describe to. I mean, forget about even the Bible. It's the same denomination. And so they must have a united front. Um, as we know, the Anglican Church in Ghana is, is very, very, very opposed to the views expressed by um, Justin Welby because um, they are yet to respond to Justin Welby's statement publicly. But it is previously said, the Anglican Church in Ghana, they previously said that, quote, it does not condemn persons of homosexuality tendencies, homosexual tendencies, but absolutely condemns the sinful acts and activities they perform. And therefore, they are in full support of the bill before Parliament. I mean, it begs the question. This is not the first time this issue has split heads among the same Christian denomination. Talk about the Methodist Church. And way back in um, 2019, they had a similar uh, tussle, disagreement with their uh, you know, counterparts in, in the United Kingdom. And they had to hold a press conference to dissociate themselves from a decision by the British Methodist Conference to accept and officiate same-sex marriages in its churches. Why did they do that? Because they, they went to the Bible. They said the Bible somehow agreed that that is possible. But again, same Bible. Um, we've had the Presby Church also in the same uh, soup. So really, what is it about this beast called the LGBTQ plus bill and, and issues surrounding it that leaves same denomination, same Christian denomination, same Christians divided where it went operating based on this one same manual called the Bible. Let's have that conversation tonight. It's a very controversial one, but um, there's one that we must confront as an aspect of this debate that is raging ahead of uh, Parliament's real consideration of this highly controversial uh, anti-LGBTQ plus bill. Connecting with me via uh, Zoom uh, tonight is uh, Reverend Paul Boafo. He's a presiding bishop of the Methodist Church of Ghana. Connects uh, via Zoom. Uh, Reverend. Hello, Reverend. Yes. Reverend, I'm grateful that I could uh, speak to you and connect with you on this all-important subject. Thank you. Also connected is Reverend uh, Dr. Henry Gottenaffel. He's a pastor and connects with us from the UK. I'm very interested to hear his views on this. Uh, as it appears to be, uh, and, and of course we need to debate that, whether it depends the cultural circumstance you find yourself in may be, as the hypothesis, hypothesis go, influence your interpretation of the Bible. Because uh, Archbishop of Canterbury in the UK sees the Bible, interprets it differently. Uh, and is that what is at play here? Uh, Reverend Henry Gottson uh, is connected with us on the phone. He's connecting uh, uh, from with us uh, from the UK. Uh, Reverend uh, Gottson I'm grateful that you could, Dr. Uh, Gottson grateful that you could join us. Thank you so much, uh, my brother Evans. Fantastic. Happy to be with you as well tonight and, and your listeners. And Great. Viewers. Thank Great. you. Great. Uh, Dr. Harry Agbanu is a lecturer of religion at the University of Ghana. He connects uh, on the phone or also. Uh, also connecting is Dr. Teria. He's a Christian. Uh, he's a Christian like myself who has been observing what has so far uh, transpired on this matter and connects via Zoom as well. Uh, Dr. Teria, grateful that you could join us. You could connect with us. And we'll Thank you. 
We'll connect shortly to Apostle Shaldas. Uh, he's a Ghanaian pastor in the U.S. as well. Listen, uh, I know you are interested in this conversation. I'm pretty sure, just like myself, you've wondered about this question. Send me your WhatsApp wherever you are: zero five five one 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 nine nine seven, or just go onto Twitter. Um, find me uh, at Noite, or just use the hashtag uh, Ghana Connect. I, I want to start with you, Reverend uh, Paul Boafo. Um, because also, I wanted to tap into your the Methodist Church with experience on this. Um, where do you stand on this on this conversation about this is the same Bible here? So why do we have differences in the way this matter is being seen? Right. Uh, thank you very much, Evans. Um, this issue of LGBTQ has been raging with us for quite some time now. And uh, as you mentioned in your introduction, sorry, let me say a very big thank you to my friends uh, on the platform, as well as your cherished listeners. Uh, wish them well. Uh, yes, this has been raging for quite some time, and it was not being until night. 2019, when our friends, our brothers and sisters in the UK, Methodists, uh, put up this on their agenda, uh, their conference uh, in Birmingham. And it came out very strongly that they are going for same-sex marriages with all the other issues related to it. For us here in Ghana, we decided that that is not the way to go based on the principles of the Bible. And uh, we are saying that this is an abomination in the presence of God. And as we read the Bible, we see that God hates, hates it in all its forms. That is the LGBTQIA, and being now, we keep on adding to it. And so we came out strongly in a debate, and uh, this was our response. Uh, we put it in a book, the crowd houses put it in a book as a response to what the our friends in the British conference were saying. And then it came up again this year when they voted uh in a majority for it and then again we also said no that is not the way to go for us we are looking at it from uh two main angles one is from the bible the scriptures the bible that we read is against it reading from god himself and his relationship with humanity and what we find with uh, Genesis 18, where we talk of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and all that, we believe that that is not the way God wants it. We also see that it is against the institution of marriage as God planned it from the beginning in the book of Genesis. So that is also one of our bases. Uh, apart from that, we also see it as against the institution of family. And so that we are using scripture to debunk the LGBTQ and the same-sex uh, uh, agenda. Then for us in Ghana or in Africa, we are also looking at it from a cultural perspective. Who are we as Ghanaians? Who are we as a people here in this part of the world? What are our values? What do we know to be our norms? And when you go through it from north to south, east to west, all our cultures, all our traditions abhor it. And so that's another point from where we are looking at it, that we should not go for this uh, LGBTQIA. 
But having said that, maybe in the course of the discussions, these things will be coming up. We say that we are against the acts and not the persons. Yes, in the it, sense that- and you raised that. In fact, that's one of the things I would expand on, and you've touched on that rightly so. That w- okay. how do you how do you distinguish between the two? Because I, I get the sense from the Archbishop of Canterbury that he's that's the position of the Anglican Church, by the way, too, just as you've expressed. But he, he doesn't seem to agree that there's a distinction there. So please stay with me, Reverend. Let, let me bring in your, your colleague, um, also joining us, uh, connecting uh, with us uh, from the UK, uh, Dr. Henry Gotzing Arthur. Uh, Doc, where do you stand on this question? Is the Bible, um, is it settled on this matter? The, the Ghanaian uh, denominations in the churches are absolutely emphatic on this matter. It appears the denominations in the UK and the West generally disagree with them. Uh, thank you so much once again, um, Evans. Um, let me also take this opportunity to uh, greet uh, my various um, uh, lovely ministers and colleagues who have been with us on this platform tonight, as well as your cherished listeners. Um, just as uh, the Most Reverend Dr. Paul Boafov said, um, the Bible is very straightforward on this. I think there's no, uh, there's no polar dichotomy on this matter. It's very straightforward. And um, I just want to quickly set off tonight by reading the scripture. Um, Genesis chapter 1. Uh, Genesis chapter 1. Um, if you read from the verse number 26. The verse number 26. Uh, and God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. So we have to understand that one of the key mandates that God gave man was for man to be fruitful and to multiply. Now, how do you multiply when you put a man and a man together? How do you multiply when you put a woman and a woman together? So that's not how God made it from the beginning. So it's very clear and very emphatic from the beginning. Um, Again, in Genesis chapter 1, the verse number 27, it says, So God created man in his own image. And how did he create him? In his own image, God created man, and God made them male and female, male and female. So we have males, we have females, but now we see that it's been um, added onto. Um, we're having the LGBTQI and, and so many on uh, that follows uh, from there. So I'm going to just set the record straight from Scripture it is very, very, very clear right from the onset. That is from the book of Genesis. That tells us very clearly um, the position of God on this. And I don't think it has changed. Um, for those who probably might be arguing any other thing, they might be coming from the school of thought of, of tolerance, okay, of tolerance. And um, like Bishop rightly said, I think, yes, as Christians, we are all very tolerant. And I know we're going to be going a lot more into that, that yes, Love the sinner, but not the actions of the sinner. And any way possible that as a church, globally, that we can put in place to support such persons, is start off by them admitting, and then that moves on from there. Thank you, Evans. Uh, very interesting points there. Let me bring in the academic here, and he's a lecturer of religion, uh, Dr. Harry Agbanu. Uh, Doc, are you with me? Um, he joins us, uh, connects with us on the phone. Doc, are you with me? Hello, Dr. Agbanu. Okay, uh, let's get Dr. Agbanu connected on the phone so that I can hear his thoughts on this. Um, hello, Dr. Agbanu, do you, do you have him online? Okay, I'll bring yeah, him. I can hear him clearly. Okay, you can, okay. So so, yeah. so I've heard from, I'm pretty sure you've heard from uh, the two Reverend Ministers, uh, Reverend Paul Barfo, now Reverend Dr. Henry. They are they are absolutely emphatic that the Bible is settled on this matter, uh, opposed to, to, to the actions of, of gay and lesbians. If that is the case... Why do we have the Archbishop of Canterbury um, and others in the West, same Bible, disagreeing that indeed this is the case? And that to the extent that, as we've seen and heard tonight already, the Methodist Church says, not only are we, are we going to um, accept, you know, you know and, 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 this, uh, and encourage it, we're actually going to integrate them into, this, into the church and make them pastors sometimes as, as leaders of the church. W- why is that difference then? Thank you very much, and good evening to my colleagues on the other side, and good evening to your listeners. Uh, Well, 
it, it's all because of differences in our culture, our various cultures. In Europe, in America, they have a certain understanding of reality. And that understanding is what shapes their response to what they consider to be of importance to them. To them, I can say that family is not as important to them as wealth, as right, as individual right. Whilst in our case, community right is more important, is of much essence to us than the right of the individual. The individual, yes, you have right, but the right of the community supersedes your individual right. But unfortunately, this is not like that. So once you can do whatever you want to do as an individual and is considered as your right, nobody has a right to stop you, not even religion. Remember, religion in Europe and America today has been diluted. What is what they worship now, what is of essence to them now, is money, is wealth, is you know, popularity, is fame, not how close you are to God, the type of family you have, the, your children, and all that, and all that. You say that, but the, the conflict we've seen is being expressed through the um, uh, the perspectives of the leaders of the church. So, Archbishop of Canterbury is a leader of the Anglican Church globally, right? And you make the point about culture, but isn't the Bible the fundamental reference point and not culture for Christians? Uh, uh, the, Bible, the Bible is reference. It's a reference point. But the Bible is interpreted within the culture of the people. What we have not been able to do as Africans is to make Christianity our religion. So for, for us, still now, some people consider Christianity as a foreign religion. When Christianity came to Europe, they made it their own. And so they interpret whatever they see in the Bible within their culture, using their culture. We have imbibed uh, the religion with the culture of Europeans and all that and all that. And so it's difficult for us to live truly as Christians and be Africans unless you are you are an European sort of. Until recently when we started having, uh, you know, uh, independent African churches, there were too many of our cultural practices that were not accepted in the church. So what is happening is that Europeans are interpreting the Bible in their way, using their culture. For them, the right of the individual supersedes the right of the community, supersedes the right of the church. But for us, the right of the church or the community supersedes the rights of the individual. And so for us, it's difficult for us to come to terms that an individual can decide, a man can decide to marry a man, and a woman can decide to marry a woman. It is not part of our culture because our culture is compulsory for a man to marry and make children. It's compulsory for a woman to marry and make children. But in Europe, it is not. I mean, it is just completely not. You, it you, is optional. So stay with me. Now you brought up the cultural question, which I, I, I hypothesized about at the beginning. So you agree that that is the framework within which the conflict is playing out between the church in Ghana and the church in the West. Let me bring in... Exactly. Okay, stay with me. Let me bring in uh, Apostle Sheldes, because I, I want to play on this, complicate this cultural, uh, biblically cultural question a bit more. I mean, Apostle Sheldes is a senior pastor of the Love Legacy uh, Chapel in New York. So different, operate place in a different culture. Um, but of course, as a, as a Ghanaian heritage. Uh, Apostle, I'm, I'm grateful that you're connected with us from New York. Uh, trust you well. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Where do you stand on this very controversial subject, the the, the Bible, and and the and the thing and the question about gays in, in the context of the bill that Ghana is about to consider and possibly pass? 
Um, so, so I'm sorry I joined in late, but then uh, I have one principle. You know, anytime we get confused as Christians about anything, uh, there is uh, what we call in theology the, the principle of first mention or the law of first mention. It means that if we were ever confused about marriage, I think what we need to do is to go into the scriptures and find out when it was first mentioned. Now, we, we know very well God is the creator of marriage, and the first time marriage was mentioned in scriptures, it was between a man and a woman. So if we were ever confused, we needed to go back to where it originated from. And that is uh, my, my perspective on marriage. God intended it uh, beyond the other many things. Uh, he ultimately intended it for procreation. So anything that has no pro, uh, procreation in it, uh, it's never intended to be God's model of uh, marriage. And then I had the last speaker talk about uh, the culture. Um, it, it's, it's a very big issue when you talk about culture, but I must also say that uh, LGBT has never been a culture of people uh, in the uh, diaspora or in Europe or in America. Uh, I don't believe it's ever been their culture at all. Culture has been shifted. And we know there is a lot of uh, proliferation of what we want to call culture. LGBT has never been the culture of anybody. It's an adapted human uh, desires or perverted desire, if you want to call it that way. Um, it's, um, it's never been a culture of uh, the, the Europeans. It's never been a culture of America because a culture, in my opinion, is something that is fundamentally accepted. And we know very well that LGBT was never legalized until the Obama regime. So if it was part of our culture, then it should have originally been part of it. And we didn't need to legalize it because then, obviously, it was part of the culture. But as we see, there were a lot of back and forth debate and uh, pretty much what is beginning to happen in Ghana and Africa for that much. America went through that phase. And of course, it has to do with what at the end of the day, uh, those that are in authority in collaboration with what the opinion poll says, that eventually makes it into the law of the land. But then it's never been the culture. And uh, those are my few thoughts on it to begin with. Okay. Um, let me bring in the, the the man who is just like me. He's not a leader of the church. Uh, he's not an academic in religion. He's Dr. Terrier. He's a Christian just like myself. So just observing from the followers, the, the sheep point of view, Dr. Terrier, where do you stand on this? All right. Basically, I stand where the Bible stands. In fact, when we like... Um, Earlier on, as been said by some of my uh, fellow panelists, you will see that they made reference to the beginning. In the beginning, God created man and woman, male and female. In fact, he never created lesbians. He never created LBGTQ and whatever. And so I, as a Christian, I stand at where the Bible stands. In fact, for the sake of clarity, I would want to give some Bible references. Uh, time will not uh, allow me to read all of them. When you come to Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22, God is against homosexuality. You come to Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13, he is against the same thing. You go to Genesis chapter 18, he is against homosexuality and all other sexual perversions. That is how come that God actually sent those angels to go to Sodom and Gomorrah and destroy them. Now, when we come to Romans chapter 1, from verse 25 all the way to the last verse in that chapter, you can see that God is against all these things. And so, as a Christian, I stand at where God stands. And where God stands is that he made male and female, and that is period. If there are any other perversions in the church, then it presupposes, like Paul the Apostle was addressing Timothy. He said, in the later times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. So you're suggesting so, that the Anglican church in the UK, led by their uh, you know, symbolic head, has, has departed? From... Yes, this is, this is absolute 
um, departure from what the Bible says. You see, we all have to stand at where the Bible stands, and that is all. Very interesting thoughts. I want to bring back Reverend Paul Bafo on this. Um, Reverend, I want to read yes. to you the your colleague, Archbishop of Canterbury's um, argument for you know, urging Ghana and his the Anglican colleagues here to, to, to not back the, the bill. He says, we are a global family of churches. I'm quoting him. But the mission of the church is the same in every culture and country. And again, he referenced culture very deliberately. The mission of the church is the same. He says, to demonstrate through its actions and words, God's offer of unconditional love to every human being through Jesus Christ. Now, there's a 30-second clip in which he explains, expands on this. Just listen briefly. Read the Bible carefully. Not just the bits that you agree with, but read it carefully and seek God's wisdom. See how Jesus treated those who thought themselves holy and those who thought themselves sinners. Secondly, pray a lot, particularly for those you disagree with, Mm -hmm. but that they may be blessed. Pray for them, for the grace of God to fill them, because they're your sisters and brothers in Christ. What what do you say to that argument? Well, uh... What he is saying about the love of God, indeed, we all believe and accept that the love of God is for all. He does not discriminate. But he is not saying that in that love, he loves the sinner, sorry, the, the, the son, the son of the individual, so that he has given that love hand and that warm embrace to that individual that he should move away from the sun. That's why Ezekiel will tell us that God is not interested in the death of a sinner, but that he should repent. So the love of God made available or the grace of God made available does not mean that we should continue in sin. And this is where we should all look at this issue. Yes, we all accept that God's love is unconditional, it's for all of us. But when we want to walk with him, then we should move away from sin which God also hates. God hates sin. And it was because of our sons as humanity that he manifested himself in his son, Jesus Christ, upon this earth. So that we could be reconciled with him, moving away from the old ways, the LGBTQ ideas and orientation and mentality, and then coming to enjoy that love which he brings unto us. So, in reading the Bible, I will not want to interpret it with that revisionist idea that, yes, his love is for all, so we should continue in sin. What he or what we are looking at in LGBTQIA, all of them, all of them are sinful, abominable things in the sight of God. So how do we say that because God loves them, we should allow them to go on? It cannot be. It cannot in any way be. So I will not agree with him where he brings that love and says that, well, you should let it all go. No. Okay, so, so na- now understand your distinction between um, hate the act but love the sinner. Okay. Right. So so let me bring in uh, Dr. Henry uh, Godsinner. Afo. Doc, so if you are, if if what I just heard, and I'm, I'm pretty sure you agree that you love them, that, that uh, as Christians you should love the gays and lesbians, the, the bill that we're seeking to pass criminalizes the actions and seeks to imprison them for it. Is that what then the Archbishop of Canterbury is asking, in the sound there, is that what Jesus, is that how Jesus will treat them? Is the question he's asking in that sound I play there. What's your reaction to that? 
Um, thank you so much. Uh, I think as we've been talking about tonight, um, we've been able to clearly establish the fact that uh, what is happening now is not what the real story of creation or what the intent and purpose of God uh, was for man when God created man. Um, and I'm very happy that we all sort of agree. I mean, all of us sort of agree on the same thing. Um, just as my brother from the U.S. said, uh, even in the U.S. at the moment, that there, there, there's cause of groups, cause of state, uh, which still does not condone, which still is not happy for this development of the LGBTQ and all of that. Um, in Ghana, back to your question, what the legislation is actually um, pushing for, uh, if I've gone through sections of it, and um, I'm not, I wouldn't say in any way that I am uh, a scholar in that piece of document, but from what I see and from where I stand, I think it's about looking at, as a nation, what are we able to accommodate? What are we able to, um, to handle, pay our resources? Because I, I thought I had uh, the honorable, um, um, uh, Sam George? Sam, Sam George, Honorable Sam George uh, on CNN, and he made a very important point. I want to just quote him on that. When he was talking about the amount of figures, the, the amount of money that is spent on trying to rehabilitate people and the fact that it's also costing our national purse medically a lot of money. Um, there's also the other factor which I've seen, and I want to add to it as well, that from where we stand, if we allow some of these things also to uh, become um, a commonplace in Ghana, we will have uh, a pressure coming on some of our youth. Unfortunately, a nation which has seen a lot of unemployment. If people feel that, look, it's legalized and they can freely get a, have a, gate, um, a free getaway to be able to get into uh, things like that, vices like this, then it, it provides an avenue for even more uh, serious health issues. At the moment, as a nation, do we even have the resources to be able to cater for some of these issues and some of the other problems that is associated with it? The answer is no. So we as a nation, and I can understand where they're coming from, have to also look at ourselves and say, hey, if we don't protect um, ourselves from some of these issues, then the spillover, the negative aspects, the AIDS, the sickness, the diseases, and stuff that comes with it, we're not able to handle it. We will love the sinner. We'll find ways to support and rehabilitate them as to the terms of the of the of the punitive measures and stuff like that, I will leave that to the lawmakers to have a look at that. But from the church's point of view, it's about making sure that we support some of these people. We let them know that per the will of God, it is not in their interest for them because Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 27 says it clearly, God made man and female. Anything contrary to that, is counterproductive to our national development. Okay. And the nation has to do what it has to do. Thank uh, you. Apostle Sheldon, I want to ask the same question now, um, and, and this is strictly the biblical theological question. Um, this bill, if, ultimately, if you're found guilty of you know, engaging in the gay and lesbian acts, you would ultimately be sentenced, tried, convicted, sentenced, and imprisoned. Question is, and the theological question, uh, which is what Archbishop of the Canterbury is asking. What will Jesus do? All right. So uh, Jesus honored the laws of the land. And uh, I, I believe when it comes to this portion of this conversation, it's purely uh, an area that, that the lawmakers are definitely going to be the one pushing it. But then I think that from the theological point of view, we should also emphasize the fact that we as people of faith have a play or a place to play in this whole process. And my point is, uh, and of course, it's going to sound rhetorical, but then again, uh, I think one of the big problems we're having is because we've overrated the issue of LGBTQ, uh, you know, we're talking about. But then if you read scriptures, Bible makes very clear that all sins are sins. There is nothing like a big sin and a small sin. But unfortunately, it sounds like the the sin, if you want to call it, because uh, I like to call things the way God will call it. You know, LGBT is not a mistake. 
It's not my bad. It's a sin. God will call it sin. So I want to call it the way God wants to call it. And I think that's one of the biggest problems the church has. We fail to address issues as it were, you know, supposed to be addressed from the Bible perspective. Now, uh, you read a book of Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, it talks about the works of the flesh. And it starts off naming sexual sins, and it calls three out of them. It talks about adultery, fornication, and uncleanliness. Uncleanliness is the sin of LGBT. And somebody quoted the book of Romans chapter 1, verse 24. You read all the way to the end. Bible talks about uncleanliness as one of the sins of the flesh. And then it goes in detail in that scripture to explain men having sex with men, women having sex with women as a sin of uncleanliness. And of course, Jesus encountered people with unclean spirit. He casted that demon out of them. Of course, he dealt with LGBT back in, in his days. But then the issue I, I, I'm talking about is the question you asked, what would Jesus do? Jesus will honor the law because Bible makes very clear that there is no authority except that which is established of God. So Jesus would even pay taxes to Caesar in his days and honor the authorities that be. Even if they were not in full alignment with the word of God, he still honored them because he understood that there was no authority that assumed office at, at the blind side of God. God saw it and God allowed it. And it is in his sovereignty, he allowed the powers that be to be. So, yes, uh, I don't think it's the place of the church to debate the uh, lawfulness or the, the whether it's a crime or not. Because if you take even America, if you were married legally and you married another person, you committed a crime. And it came with the consequences. So uh, I will leave that aspect for the people and the laws of the land to debate that. But I think that we as church and as leadership of the Christian faith, we should be the ones to articulate God's perspective on this matter. And okay. I think uh, that, that should be our focus. I mean, let, let me bring in Dr. Terry on this, uh, on, on this question then. I mean, you are the Christian, right? And then uh, you're not a church leader just like myself. Same question asked differently. Um, in the context of the bill, uh, will, will Jesus, and all going back to Archbishop Canterbury's point on this, will Jesus encourage, and that's his point against the bill, will Jesus encourage a bill that uh, 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 promotes imprisonment for sinners? Dr. Tiria. Um Do you know what I would want to say? Jesus is so wise. Now, let me go back to give unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give unto God what belongs to God. You see, like it was earlier said, Jesus knows the law. And as somebody who knew the law, he knows that those authorities have been set up by God. Now, what would Jesus do in such a case? I'm going to bring you a similar uh, sum occurrence. When the woman that was caught in adultery was brought to Jesus, per the law, the woman was to be stoned. But Jesus, looking at the internal state of that woman, he told the people that, look, the one who is without sin should first cast the stone. Now, what would Jesus do is to save and to liberate the uh, LBGTQ individuals, as well as all other sinners, but not to destroy them. And so, I as an individual, I'm looking at it from the perspective of um, um, how those people can be converted so that at the end of time, they would not have um, an eternal separation from God. Is that to suggest no. that, as far as the bill is concerned, you will not support the imprisonment clauses in there? Personally, um, I may find it difficult to look at that in that regard. But on the other side of the coin is this. If these people are allowed to continue with whatever they are doing, they will recruit other people. And when they recruit those people, then we are heading towards Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, Jude will tell us that what God did to the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, it is meant to serve as a warning to other generations to come that 
God frowns on every form of unrighteousness, including anything of any kind, that whatever some people commit, they are liable to the judgment of God. You imprison them, or you don't imprison them, the bottom line is this. We have to find ways and means of bringing them to God. So I am a bit neutral on whether to imprison them or not. But the issue is this. We should find ways and means of converting them so that they would not recruit more people. Now, in another sense, if you have them uh, not imprisoned, then they can recruit more. Because we know what even happens in some of our schools. In fact, I've been a preacher preaching in several schools. I have heard how other students, uh, I mean girls, lure other student girls into lesbianism. How boys uh, recruit their fellow boys into homosexuality. How in some instances, teachers, some of the teachers who are not converted end up recruiting them. And so if at this early stage, these people are recruited into such a thing, then what happens to be fruitful and multiply? But, but very, and so we need to balance this thing yeah, carefully. These are, I must admit, very difficult questions for the Christian to ponder. Let me give a final thought to Dr. Agbano. Dr. Agbano, give, give me a quick reaction to this. Yeah, first of all, I, I want to say that I'm not saying that LGBTQ is the culture of Europeans or Americans. I am saying that their response, their attempt to accept it, is based on their culture because they tolerate the individual's right. Once it's the individual's own desire, let's allow it. That's what I'm saying. But I'm not saying that the man sleeping with a man, a woman sleeping with a man or marrying a man uh, I mean, it's the culture of the Europeans or the Americans. That's not what I'm saying. You are asking whether Jesus would, would do that. I think he will. If the purpose of imprisonment is to reform them, reformation or rehabilitation is proper. Jesus would want to see everybody uh, transformed to becoming a good citizen and then somebody who can also benefit from uh, going to heaven or whatever. So I think that Jesus will call for punishment that will lead to reformation or rehabilitation. I'm grateful, uh, gentlemen, uh, connecting uh, with me. Reverend Paul Boafo is a presiding bishop of the Methodist Church of Ghana, uh, connected by Zoom. Reverend Dr. Henry Goswin Afo is a pastor and was connecting from the UK. Uh, Dr. Harry Agbanu uh, is a lecturer in religion, University of Ghana. Uh, Dr. Teria is a Christian, uh, just like myself. And we also had uh, connecting from the Love Legacy Chapel in the New York, uh, Apostle Sheldus. Think about this, of course, as Sunday approaches. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.